CP, it would, it would help if my mic was on this entire time. All right, I gotta redo the intro. <laughs> Fuck. God damn, God damn it. No, you could hear me, but I had it off on OBS. So, guys, okay, welcome. So, wait, clap. Okay, wait, clap. Wait. <laughs> God damn it. Welcome to Coffee Contemplation. Hold I'm on. your host, uh, Space Viking, and with me is CP. CP, I gotta. Oh, man, CP. Stop, CP, I gotta. I gotta redo the fucking thing. I did so good. Hold on. <laughs> God damn it. We are professionals. <laughs> In today's episode, we're going to explore the realm of dragons, magic, swords, and sorcery. Get ready to immerse yourself in a world filled with mythical creatures and magical powers. Those are my fantasies. But first, let's take a look at the origin of these mythical beings and stories. Medieval oh. mythology has been a source of inspiration for centuries, with tales of dragons, wizards, and enchanted swords that have captivated audiences for generations. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the magic of playing pretend. I have with me Wonder CP Sketch of Dreamers Arcade. Hey everybody, welcome. Here again, I'm always happy who is being lewd <laughs> being lewd in the background <laughs> no 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 none of that none of that start my friday um i can always look forward to some 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 well i'd say some way up intelligent thought-provoking conversation we'll get there but uh i've had a long week i've got a lot done this week i got a lot to share with you and uh we'll see we'll we're gonna stumble into this fantasy realm trip trip over our boots together yes oh good morning everybody yes good morning good morning hey don't so don't put, put, put me in the lewd corner <laughs> that's okay oh, well you talked about your fantasies it's okay it's healthy to be lewd and have some fantasies is it what do you think the origin of mythical creatures and stories in medieval times was what do you think the actual origin of all this was what like um the origin of mythical creatures, uh, just as far as I, I zero right back to, let's go with the the original the Iliad, the Iliad and the Odyssey, some Homer Greek mythology type stuff. I think of that. That's what I think of. The Iliad, the Western Odyssey, and my Western um, education. I I think mainly of Greek, some some Norse. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, I'm down with Loki. May the giant Loki break free from the trees and then ragnarok will come on and the say the trees whether well, the trees the ships shall sail over the ocean and the wolves will devour the moon and all kinds of awesome shit i like that that sounds like a good weekend but no i always think of greek mythology um as being the source predating, yeah pre i mean at least free oh pumps on predating christianity yeah what do you what do you what do you think of we it goes even further back 
Um, we're going to do cave, cave paintings. This is actually shortly after the cave paintings. We're talking like Mesopotamia. So it's like it's like original dawn of civilization kind of stuff. The Epic of Gilgamesh. They're not sure. They're not sure when that actually was first started being told. Like they it, the the first time it was written down was um, in the Middle East. But like we're talking like 10K years ago more or more the first time someone went what if i made a story that's about nothing what if i made a story that i came up with completely the queen hello the queen welcome in the queen scarlet we're talking about the origin of playing pretend the origin of swords and sorcery and magic and and stories in general as well and we're very interested in combing combing today we got some beard combing going on i i don't have I don't have my beard, but I have my keyboard brush that I could, I could do. Yeah, but look at that! Look at that hair. You I mean, look at this hair. No, I mean your real hair, dude. Like I could, I could I brush go, my hair I go, too. I go none. I go none on the top. I actually got to buzz that off. Oh, <laughs> I'm cold right so, now. The Epic of Gil Gilgamesh is as old as human civilization, they think. Sorry, there's a lot of stuff when you look online. And, you, and you're looking at these articles and you're looking for sources and there's always some guy scratching his beard going, well, we think. <laughs> like, he, like they all, all these things end with like, no one is sure about anything. That's a whole other subject we can get into at another time. Mm. Is that like, we have a lot of scholars doing a lot of work coming up to not dead ends, but massive open ends. Of okay where where did this actually start and i i think cp you're onto something when you said cavemen right i think i think ever since we started looking at the stars and we looked at the landscape and we had to come up with some reason to make it make sense right and we got these old sages sitting around the campfire telling all the baby cavemen well you see that mountain there that was a giant bear scratched that mountain and and the that was uh that was this bear called ursa and and he chased these women into the sky, and that's the Pleiades star, star Cluster. That's one of the original stories from, uh, I think it's Navajo? Um, okay. Feel free to correct me, anyone. So as a disclaimer, um, whenever I come up to a mistake in my mind of like, I don't know what I'm talking about, I want to give this disclaimer. Uh, CP and I are not experts. We just like to talk about this stuff and create um, contemplation over a cup of coffee. Yeah, a lot of bullshit. But that being said, uh, uh, I do have uh, uh, my my little piece of paper. I have my little art degree that that does have some. Uh, it has that has weight. Art, it does it has art history. So like, what I'll be pulling from is is I'm pulling from basically all that stuff that I learned. So I go towards remembering Greek mythology, of course, cave paintings. Mm -hmm. uh, the caves that was in Lascaux, France. They were found in the 90s. They became some of the biggest um, uh, examples of cave paintings. I'm not sure if that's where Chinese horse came from. That's one of the famous um, etched um, or carved, broke, chipped, however you want to define the technique of some narrative storytelling. 
Oh yeah. Um, here in Maine, um, there's a museum not far that has some examples uh, of the same thing. And, and I swear there's one with, with a dude popping a squat. Just, I'm going to make, hey, I'm going to, that, 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 that's Steve over there. <laughs> you know, like the hero, the guy with the with the with the armor and the well, not the armor, but the spear and fighting the beast. And then there's like some guy popping a squat. And it's like, well, there's <laughs> there's Hank. We all know he kicks ass, but that's Steve, right? Yeah. Hey, I caught, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like where's Wally? You always got like a big battle, and then there's like Steve popping a squat in the back. <laughs> like, that not look Steve. like Thog. I found Steve. He's a. Uh, He's doing his thing, you know. That's that's uh, a <laughs> classic Steve. We got yeah, Jeff, Steve, and Greg, and Thog. <laughs> and what I find interesting too, we talked about this last week a little bit. I talk about the kind of downfall of where human beings have struggled um, to reach a good, cohesive relationship with not only nature but each other, and the system of domestication through uh, agriculture and animal domestication, creating goods, creating a walled area to protect your goods, um, you then become vulnerable. And these are the early beginnings of a capitalist world, consumer-based world, but it, it, it's efficient, but it's also problematic because it immediately puts you at odds with other people. And so you you have to take the risk or the bad with the benefit. Mm -hmm. um, so we were talking about that last week, but in this particular incidence, uh, the culture were more nomadic and hunter and gatherer type people. So there wasn't uh, a lot of people like killing each other for their stuff so much because people didn't have a area where they had stuff, they moved around. So because they moved around, they, they had adventures and they stayed in spots. So it was cool that they would want to record themselves and their stories and then move on. And then you would imagine other people in tribes and groups could come across it because they'd be looking for shelter in caves too. And they're like, oh, wow, look at all this stuff. And maybe they'd add to it. So you get like um, early communication, early uh, text thread, or a lot of people will say, uh emojis so you know we we hieroglyphics later um and then emojis today yeah we move to this pictorial way of um expressing ourselves but yeah i think of the early just pictures carved in the wall the epic stories greek mythology uh and then a lot of thematic repetition in other writings, other religions, Bible, and then that becoming like the the foundation for the only handful of stories that one culture of people can actually speak of. I love that. Thanks. I love I love that you brought all that up because it language is a huge part of it too. Like we'll have um the need to like tell each other a piece of information but then we also have the need to like dump our brain spew onto someone and sometimes that comes out in the form of stories like oh man i got some i got sh some shit i need to work through so i'm gonna write a story you know and i wonder i wonder if the iliad was homer's way of 
man, I got some shit I need to get through, but no one wants to hear me like <laughs> bullshit about this stuff. So I'm just going to throw it into a story and they're going to eat it all up. <laughs> stop, uh, would you guys stop inviting Homer to the parties? It's all cool for a while. It's a real downer. Cyclops and sirens and shit. Uh, I don't know. Things go off rails fast, and he really upset my girlfriend. So <laughs> really upset my girlfriend. That's what every dude does in this, this specific situation who has a girlfriend. You know, it's like, oh yeah, dude. Uh, you know, I want to be cool with you, and then it's like they throw the girlfriend into the bus. It's like, yeah, you know, girlfriend really doesn't want you around. It's. I'm gonna make it look even more like a potato and give it some. Leveraging. Yeah, we can't we can't invite Homer to the party anymore. He's a real downer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he he talks people's ears off. He uh, he may experience uh, hyper mania or hypomania, and I think he goes a little bit too far. He gets too much into his his obsession and story, and it's just too much for people. I think Homer should spend some time, maybe write that down. Maybe there's an audience for it. You know, that's <laughs> like Homer had a, Homer had a good therapist. I'm I'm a little yeah, iffy we... on the on the time the the time aspect was uh was um socrates around the same time as homer was socrates homer's therapist <laughs> yeah, they, were drinking, they were drinking hemlock together they're just they were just chilling i i think uh you know you got your plato's and your socrates plato first and i think socrates uh i would imagine they came before i always thought homer was kind of like um a neo uh, a neo like mythology, like Greek mythology, like where it was like maybe almost bordering into. I thought it was like more bordering into the Roman times, where it was nostalgic. Where possible? It was, uh, it was like he was building. He was. I thought he was building a kind of like a side, like fan fiction almost. Oh, kind of. Because like there's already pre-existing stuff with gods, and then it just it it felt like. He was explaining nature in a godlike way. It's kind of like what I've always talked about with the Fringe yeah. Arcade. It's like, how do you create macro and micro systems? How do you represent God and deity and, uh, you know, nature and things of that? Thor, uh, Homer was, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he was, I mean, I'm sure he was referencing gods and all that stuff. But from what I recall, it's just more about a journey and an adventure and these things that he encountered. And they were uh, metaphorical monsters for inner things. And uh, shit, man, we're gonna we're gonna take it back to we're gonna take it back many years ago. I remember in high school, um, going over the Iliad, and the English teacher was just talking about like, well, it wasn't really like Cyclops on an island throwing rocks. Like, what else could that be? They're like this one-eyed thing erupting rocks. And it was like, they're thinking maybe it was a volcano. Oh. Maybe maybe they saw the eye, you know, of the volcano. And then these rocks were coming from it. And it's just a way that they explained it. And maybe, maybe they honestly could see that. Maybe it was less imagination because they say... You become like this product of the information in your head. So, like, what if they just 
what if he just had never seen that stuff before? It's possible. Explain it. Like, imagine living in a world where you didn't have anyone say, that's a volcano. And, like, like, you don't have the ability to look up how it all works and understand it in complexity. The when giant land like, yeah. pimple. You what? It's a giant land pimple. Oh yeah, that's true. If I, if I didn't if I didn't know what it was called, I don't honestly know what I would call. It. I would think that the gods were pissed though. I'd be like, nature is pissed. What did we do? Who, Greg? What did you do? <laughs> I'd be like, exactly. Like, like, like just pointing at one one dude in the village. What did I do? <laughs> what did you had to have done something? Oh, <laughs> the ground the ground is exploding. <laughs> Bitcoin Scarlet, you that's a great idea. That's something what? that I'm working on. Uh, what pen? Life stories in the form of illustration. I missed that. Um, mm -hmm. And potatoes, they're good. They're very nourishing, according to according to Sir Walter Riley when he brings them to. They are very. They... But that's just the movie version. Damn druids. Yeah, the, it, it, might, it had to have been the druids. That angered the uh, the island god that caused the um, the ground to suddenly explode. Could you imagine if it was a place that had never had a volcano before? Like there was yeah. no previous there was no previous um, mountain, and it just the ground just suddenly became a spot where a volcano was. Like if it was one of the new ones, and you were a village near that volcano. That would be so fucking scary. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. And just be like, I I didn't all I did was was stub my toe and say a bad word, and now the gods just made my village explode. Well, have you ever had to have like uh have you ever had like a conversation with nature, like outside oh, and ask yes. like ask nature like questions and like look for answers or or god i mean if you're religious like they're i mean i think they're inseparable like i think it's the same idea spiritualism yeah yeah um and i lean more into like nature um because it's like it's there and it does communicate with you so it's like it, it's tough because you do feel like sometimes you're saying like hey I, look i was outside last night and i was i i asked questions and then i got responses instantly but the the response was i was like standing in the wind and i was like you know give me this sign if i should keep going forward if this is what you would like and you know the the wind picked up and it was at a moment and i could be like okay so if if that's you trying to tell me a message I'll, I, i'm going to consider that but i don't mm -hmm. want to think that my that my humanity in my own brain or whatever is is twisting this decision because it's so easy to get high on your own supply and believe that all these things are happening like any little thing like oh the wind blew it must be a thing or uh, like if you saw i mean that's interesting like like how many times was it how many times throughout our history were these massive um spiritual stories being told throughout generations based on something that someone just thought that they were getting 
a message of some kind, right? I'm not saying I don't believe that you can talk to nature. I'm just saying that I wonder, I wonder how many stories, like, um, one of my favorite ways to think about this is how many wars were fought because of a coincidence that someone just thought was something much bigger. Yeah. It's uh, a Joan of Arc type situation. Did God speak directly to her? Was she this conduit or was she just saying like, God talks to me, listen to me. Like, yeah, who knows? Like, where's your proof? And then what if people are looking for the proof? People, whether you want it or not, you, you start to formulate those realities. You write that narrative regardless. Um, Correct. Oh, so if a Queen Scarlet here says, I'm currently yeah, trying to start a healing process, so I may start working on it while I'm able to move. Hopefully it won't, hopefully it won't be too long. I'm able to work soon. Just waiting on one proof of address document, and then I can send off to, for a work license. Work, stream art, repeat, and save to move. So if a Queen, you're, you're talking about how... Um, the healing process is the healing process tied to some spirituality is did we spark that thought in you yeah we we're talking about uh thinking of writing stories my life stories in form of illustration um i love that uh a, a mutual friend of uh, ours just this week was doing a, a fun project um our friend amanda was hey, did you see she was doing like random this is me at eight in the morning. Like, this oh, is me at yep. nine, like the hour on the hour. And oh, yeah. She, she actually does a lot of those. Those are really cool because they're quick and they, they, they're genuine. They feel like a little yeah. peek into her life. And they do feel very genuine. That's true. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And there's, it, it's, you know, there's not like super heavy meaning that she has to put into it can just show it and then like she'll find meaning by continuing with the prod you, you start to see like what your values are by recording it even if it's in a quick kind of superficial sketch um i want queen that's Aww, wonderful that's awesome so i so i'm with you on that i i, I really value connection and in in my life there were a lot of people that were really beneficial and they were underdogs they they didn't really get a lot of respect they were weird they might have had like they might have struggled with depression and especially for um not so much with our age group but like you start getting into the older boomer silent generation group and they didn't really appreciate therapy and they they just oh let's let's just let's just stop there and it it's unfortunate because i think a lot of people got like oh yeah that guy's just uh he's weird you know and, and 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 they get disregarded but for me that weird creative thinker and that person who is like trying to put their thoughts out there have such respect for that and i connected so intensely with that because who did who did i have at that point that was encouraging me in that way and yeah um, 
So I really, I, I respect what you're. Hey. Same, same, Vic Queen. That's that's exactly why I why I do streaming at all is to help people feel less alone, meet new people. Coffee and contemplation is about expanding people's consciousness and sort of maybe bringing some things to light that maybe you didn't think about before. And if you did think about it before, then hopefully we've added to it. You know, hopefully we've added some value to your life, like through in an intellectual sense. Um, so what, nice what, what Queen had said, people. what the Queen had said was, I want people to feel less alone. And she said, the only reason I would care for views is because I wanted to reach people and help them and see they aren't alone through shared experiences. And uh, that's very much what, what I'm about. And as CP, you were just saying, you value connection with people and through meeting people that maybe get, may get discarded by society for a multitude of reasons, you still seek those people out because there's value there. Just because society says, oh, he's weird or, or he just stays in his house all day or... Or there's a huge list that I could go through of that. Um, but you, you feel that there's still a lot of value in everybody's story. And we, we need to, like, actually, like, pay attention, so to speak. <laughs> oh, that's nice. You know, like, my dad and I, uh, you know, we, we, we butt heads on a lot of things. Uh, he's a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. We get have that in common. Yeah. But he always talked about his friends... Um, and now that he's getting older, he's outlived a lot of people. And they had this this um, this idea of the, the last guy standing becomes the keeper of the stories. Yes. And the keeper of the stories are supposed to the, keep the, keeper. the stories going. And unfortunately, I, I'm the recipient of those stories. Hmm? <laughs> I just keep hearing them over and over again. But it's fine. Uh, it's nice because those stories definitely will be or, or being stored in this hard drive because the repetition mm -hmm. that i hear them all the time and who knows yeah maybe i'll put them in my graphic novel and one sec cp I'll, yeah maybe i'll add those stories on, yeah onto it hold but, that thought yeah all right okay, so the question the question actually ties in pretty heavily to the ad thing so Have you ever had stories throughout your life, CP, that served as a, they created such a strong moral lesson that you actually refer back to these stories in your day-to-day -day for reasons to be who you are now? Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. I hate, I hate this fucking question. <laughs> you do? Yeah, because... Like, I feel so like so many stories have a moral edge to them. They have a moral, like... A reason for the story to exist is because they're trying to teach a lesson or tell like like a cautionary tales for instance so i'm going to uh i'm gonna practice what i preach and uh what i was just saying to the queen was yeah i have to be careful because my stories reaffirm a shithole. I sit in the gloom with a fucking sledgehammer and I'm just ready to start swinging. That's me. And uh, I'm that way because I was, I was bred that way, that there are monsters everywhere. There's no place for you. And you, the world will swallow you whole and destroy you. And so what you do is you hide a lot and you wait 
and then uh, things pass by and then you wait for the right exact point to strike. In the model, that's ADHD, FOMO, for fear of more options, sitting back, assessing everything until I find that it's the most ideal calculative decision. But I've got all kinds of stories that I realize have framed a bullshit way of thinking. So more of my stories aren't like, I'm a triumph because I did this and I have those stories now. But for the most part, it was like a single event that would reaffirm everything. When I was, I don't know, 11 years old, memory is so impermanent. You make it up as you go along. And that's the other problem, well, too. There's After two years, you know, things so, get dished around. So, for Queen Scarlet touched on something. Um, I didn't know what FOMO meant until right now. There's two versions. There's fear of FOMO, more options. FOMO. There's fear of more options and there's fear of missing out. Oh, there's okay. both. There's both. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no fear of better options. Like you, you wait until it's like, oh no, there's got to be something better. Like I'm doing a renovation and FOBO was a big part of it. It was like, I want to figure out this, this, and this while the walls are ripped open. Because once I put the walls back over, it's like, I'm not going to rip the walls back. It's like now or never. So there's all these opportunities to do lots of things. And then they just mm -hmm. kind of stack up and say, like, oh, this gets better and this gets better. And then I met with a little bit of resistance and stuff. And it, it it's like, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to hold. Yeah, it, it sucks. Like, it, then you're, uh, you're a fucking yeah, bucket that, runneth over. <laughs> my cup is running over but yeah the um yeah you learn something new here every day at least mm -hmm. what we provide in three hours one piece of useful information we can guarantee that every stream if you, you gotta watch the whole thing and it might be in the ad it actually the information could be in the ad we've we've worked it out so well that sometimes the ad will give you moral lessons and uh sometimes you have to go buy what the ad says because the ad's trying to tell you the ad's trying to tell you that you don't have a thing that you need but you haven't stopped to look at your life long enough to realize that you have everything you could ever yeah, want way enough that you need like because like you see the centipede cabinet that has four games in it i could just get really good at those four games and get the high score and just become a master yeah. centipede. nah i might play that terminator instead Nah, I might play that Nintendo. Nah, now nah, maybe I'll not play any of them. They'll just be in the background because that's what normally happens. Yeah. I'm not doing you know, any of them now. For a rainy day project. Next thing like, you know, I love. In the corner of your room. Like, Centip Centipede is a very important moral lesson in the story of Centipede as well. Yeah, uh, women women make video games. That's the moral lesson of Centipede. That's, that's an important one. No, I'm not even, I wasn't even where I was going, but that's very true. Donna no, it, Bailey. Centipede's a story about um, consuming so much that you can no longer function. Yeah, that this the centipede. I don't even care about the game really. It's just about looking at that cabinet and the side art and thinking about Donna Bailey. Oh, and do you see what's on there, Space Viking? Do you see what's on there? Yeah, Way yeah. Facebook's targeted ads need to need to die in a hole. Die um, in a my, hole. So like. If my mother's if my mother is currently watching the stream, um, I apologize, but you you gotta stop 
clicking on the Facebook ads and thinking this is a good product yeah. for for anyone. Yeah, mom. <laughs> hey, mom, I got a good idea. Just cancel that Facebook. Yeah, just just don't. Well, like she meant well. Like she Dude, got me a really cool sweatshirt, right? Your awesome creations right down here. Look at that handsome man. He's smart. Hangs out with like real super talented wizards like me. Right. He's he's fucking. Oh, so so CP, you were talking. You were about to go off about morals and stories and remember? Yeah, yeah, you were. So what what stories have you encountered that gleaned moral? like moral lessons and and sort of like what did you learn about society and stuff from these stories and there's a lot like i feel like collectively the world ignored wally like we didn't listen to the message in that what? story at all that was the dreamers arcade they just ripped off my cerebral thought process hey my cat oh my hat i like this look that's so much like, <laughs> your your like story is different from wally though no but a lot of it I mean, there's a lot of message right. in it. There's like the oh. same message it's trying to send. Yeah, because I'm an old fart. Uh, I was an '80s kid, and the '80s kid, everything you'd watch would be like, the corporations are gonna take over the world, and blah 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 blah, and it's go to Mars, and they're gonna take over that too. They're gonna destroy, it. and yeah, okay, on and on from RoboCop to Total Recall, a lot of, a lot of misanthropes that thought it's over. And we're still saying that. Anyway, go watch Bo Burnham's new special. <laughs> Bo, Bo Burnham's new special is brilliant. <laughs> I know, but he's essentially saying, "Yeah, it's fucking over." I'm 30 years old, and the world is over. Every 30 year old has said, he, "Vic, you got you got some you got something to look forward to." A few more years, the world is over. Like that's the world the, is over. Like the world as we uh, know it is over. We've jumped off the building and we're just, there's no climbing back on. You can't rewind time. We're just going to hit the ground. That's 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 the kind of the idea behind it. Yeah. Oh, it gets so heavy, doesn't it? We got another ad. Oh, yeah, I wanted to see if this actually tells me. Do you tell me if there's an ad, Twitch? Let's catch up on. You don't uh, tell me, do you? Yeah, go with what, the flow. What's the, how can I run a stream if it's not going to tell me when there's an ad? You're supposed yeah, okay, well, it's, you're oh, it's supposed a, it's, to run your ads in our, in our break. Yeah, but I can't change I can't change the ad settings for game streams because game streams don't always have a break. Uh, so like I was gonna just have it whatever. Yeah, it doesn't have, have it play at a certain threshold. Yeah, because the random like popping up ads, I think. I might I might run my ads, control them and run them over my breaks with my own ads. So if you if you subscribe, you can either watch a fucking Taco Bell ad or whatever mm -hmm. the hell you're watching. Just had to watch Queen or you can watch a fake ad that I made up. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank you for saying when there's an ad McQueen. Yeah, I appreciate that. You're holding the stream down and it doesn't matter if there's a focus on you because like we're tired as fuck and I, we're still addressing everything quite well and we still have time to go and right. we get Joe here kicking ass twitch says well 
Uh, if you don't know it's coming, I'm not telling you. Well, so I'm in my I'm literally in my stream manager, and it's like, does it? Well, I didn't see the ad because uh, you you gave me the sub, so. Right. Yeah. If you're subbed, you don't get an ad, but that's not, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. I'm just saying like, it's going to be hard for me to well, you gotta, tell. You when... gotta, that means you got to give uh Vic queen a sub. No, but then if you give Vic queen a sub, and then you got to give everyone a sub. Queen won't see the ads. Fuck. So yeah. Sorry to keep you in the, <laughs> in the dark zone of the ad, but you're very useful as a scout. I don't want to miss out if someone is saying anything. Oh, I appreciate that. We'll repeat ourselves. We're real pieces of repeating shit. Now, see that? In the, see, I, I like to self-deprecate. It's a, so I, I, I'm an ex-ennial, so I lean into the Gen X ideology, uh, you know, because they were my heroes, you know? And they're... <laughs> so it's pretty funny. But, yeah, it's that, that darkness... Darkness is spreading across the world, mm -hmm. and you can really have some talk that's um, not productive. And I used it before, like a Sith Lord. You guys watch Star Wars, right? Anyone know Star Wars? You can be like, "I'm a Jedi. I feel nature and the Force. Give me your power, old cosmic goddess, and I will reach out and talk to." my buddy in another plane and we'll all create a council and work together for the betterment of people and we will not engage in relationships and we are monks or priests and of a sort you know like there's that whole side of it and uh and then there's the sith where it's just like uh, embrace yeah, all the anger and all that shit and if you're all fucked up inside like a person like me or an anakin skywalker who said like a bunch of stuff it's really easy for a guy to be like hey dude even powerful with this like uh transcendental meditation shit but that's just some woke hippie crap so uh fuck that you, you you're a bad guy man be be bad dude let's <laughs> let's tear this up you know that anger that's inside of you they told you remember they told you you'd never be anything they told you you'd be a piece of shit fuck this you show them, dude, and then that resentment starts to become fuel, and then that anger, and it's like, yeah, all right. You think you think CP is a guy to be? You think I'm a, mm, a you know, like all this stuff, and then next thing you know, you're like, sit boy, take some lightning, and you're like, ha, 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 enjoy, you know, like so. It's very easy to walk that gray line if you're dealing with trauma, to just to 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 want to be like, man, I don't have enough good to animate me. But I have a lot of bad, and uh, uh, writing that narrative for motivation, I've used it to counteract ADHD. But it's really bad for your mental state. Mm -hmm. In the end, you'll you'll burn yourself out, and then you'll start thinking like, not only do you think that, you just put that on everybody else. Like, oh yeah, everybody, it's all hardcore for all of us. Or then like maybe it's soft for other people, and then you're like, oh yeah, some people. I'll say stuff like, some people have to work hard. Some people don't. And then you start like separating yourself and categorizing yourself. I'm one of the people who I work hard. And then like now we get political ideology starting. You don't work for your money. I work for my money. You know, see how easy these things just start to roll into other sectors. Yeah. And then you start framing a whole worldview. And then you got a few other people who are like, yeah, fuck it. I'm angry too. And there's like a bunch of people kicking down buildings and shit group thing 
is dangerous. Groupthink is Positive incredibly, skills. incredibly Positive dangerous. Skills. It could save lots of people. Psychological. What are we doing here? I took a yeah. off my. Yeah, what are we doing? We're we're waiting for you to to explain your um, moral lessons. <laughs> your mind is finding lots of lots of doors to go through to not address this CP. Is this is this a trauma point? I don't want to I don't want to bother you if. No, no, and then, like what Vix just said about it, like earning your own money, you're working for it. Yeah, the conceptual world of money, like it's it's mm -hmm. weird. That's a whole other conversation where, um, yeah. That and being ADHD. Yeah, you, yeah. you got it. Um, the moral stories, yeah, I, I told myself stories. Uh, so you're talking about other stories other than the ones that are inside of my head? like. Well, yeah, it's like stories that, that you had um, absorbed throughout time that allowed um, you to, to sort of build your moral compass. Did stories affect that? My dad told me a story he made up. He would, he would make it up every night. It was called Don't Eat Me, I'm the Worm. And there's this picture that had like a bunch of things on the wall that my mother had made that had like a butterfly and frog and different stuff. And I think he took stuff from that and made a story. But my dad's like me. He makes some stories that are pretty hardcore. Like scary. Like there was like this one instance where there was, uh, I think, ants or something living in a stump and the, the the hunter came and started busting the stump up and how it was destroying their world. And then uh, a bat, he was talking about a bass one time and a, the worm. Oh, yeah, he told me about the worm that we were following. Oh, don't eat me. I'm the worm. That's what he would oh, I mean, don't say that. And then this fucking worm was in the water and the, the bass fish was coming in and it was under ice. And my dad was telling me this whole thing. Was like, oh, it was scary. He's like, oh, but he woke up. It was just a dream. The laziest writer. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't the Hawthorne by any means, but he told me this story and it started to frame the early ways that I looked at the world. It's like, it's scary out there and it's vulnerable, but dream and make stuff up and be creative. So there's like two messages there that one really was positive and made who I was and the other one was negative and it made who I was. And um, now I'm trying to recontextualize a lot of that stuff through the writing and using those stories and try to figure them out like what were the good parts and what were the bad parts as far as just regular stories growing up uh, uh beatrice potter uh wrote uh peter rabbit and uh i i like the story of this rabbit that stole from a farmer oh my god and then the farmer, then the farmer almost killed him and he, he just escaped and took his jacket and hung it and made the scarecrow out of it. Like, if you come back, like, this is you. But it was, if you think about it, a lot of these stories, they, they are fear-based. They are, yeah. And, like, look out. And so there was a lot of that stuff uh, that I guess was around. And then the, the movies, I mean, less, less novels, but I'd say then movies about uh, over-consumerism, giant corporations were starting to be themes throughout everything so i'm sure that had an impact and then socioeconomic status on top of that and i just started writing this story and then it's like well 
as an artist now, I'm like, oh, I want to represent the working class and this and that. And there's a thing called the the grotesque. It's a film in French culture where like like Amelie or the Mick Max or the Very Long Engagement where it champions um, kind of oddballs. Uh, Mick Max is about a group of circuit circuit circus circus performers or freaks, you know. They, they say taking down a weapons manufacturer is big. So it's 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 a story that I love because it comes right from all the canon that I enjoy, like this, this giant corporation that's God. been causing trouble and ruining this guy's life for his whole life. He somehow comes together with a bunch of people who are being exploited and and takes the system down. I love that. Love Treats that for the story. Void. And that's a real that's a real nerd story. I think that's the one that gravitate uh, the one that I gravitate the most. Like uh, the misfit bunch, a Robin Hood group, you know, comes in to save the day. So I'd say those kind of stories. Um, um trying to in movies, people. I love John Candy growing up. John Candy died uh, early in life. Found out John Candy died at the age I am now. Oh, wow. I'm John Candy's age. Found out John Candy has a daughter who is also a comedian. Looks just like him. That made me really happy to know that his legacy is still out there and coming up the same way. He uh, is going to have a biopic soon. Um, yeah, and I just realized, like, all this stuff, what was important to me and the type of people that inspired me. Sometimes it wasn't a story. Sometimes it was a vibe of the world's, the world's, if the world's hard, right? And if things are coming down on you and, and there's a lot of monsters out there, how do you fight it? For me, I laugh, dude. Like That's how you, that's how you fight the monsters? I try not, I try not to take it so serious. Some uh, of those monsters love some some monsters sorry hate when they're laughed at like that's their that's their kryptonite yeah chozo knows what's up yep space yeah. balls yeah that's right he's in space balls uh, i love that one, yeah if you if you want some dreamers arcade vibe uh if you want a story and this is this would be one of the stories that would would compile so we're gonna we could talk about this too there's a bunch of stories that glob together that start to make who I am in the narrative that I'm telling. Um, and I didn't know it as it was happening, but it was happening. <laughs> and when you do writing and you start figuring out all your sources, you'll start to connect the thread between all that stuff. Uh, so one of those things would be a John Candy movie called Nothing But Trouble. Anyone ever heard of that? Starring Dan Aykroyd as a, uh, Hundred-year-old judge, hundred-plus-year-old judge in prosthetics, got a very phallic-looking nose. They stick on him from time to time. Written by the late Harold Ramis, you know, guy Ghostbusters stripes, and uh, John Candy's in it as two characters, uh, the police officer who brings in these out-of-towners to Vulcanvania, a town that has been uh, surrounded by a dump and excavation, and there's a they're literally like mining underneath it. So the town has stayed there for hundreds of years, but everything has built around it. And it's, if you want some Dreamers Arcade early inspiration, 
that shit right there. Um, Chevy Chase is in it, Demi Moore. Fucking has the Digital Underground doing the song with Tupac. I mean, you guys got to see it. It's just dark, weird. But those type of stories would, would be would be a big uh, inspiration. So if it had a, a, a sprawling junkyard or something. Oh, Space Viking is, is totally wrestling with a cat. In fact, uh, you can't really see it over my shoulder. But oh my God. that cat is going to tear you up. She's not actually, she's not actually clawing hard enough to hurt. <laughs> hey, he, hey, okay, thank you. He, hold on. You guys want to see one of my kitties? Thanks. Pinky. Let me just pat. Can I, can I just pat you? Come here. I could probably have one be brought in. I'm going to bring Aww. one of your kitties. Super cuddly. Yeah, bring one of your cats in. Hey, maybe you know this one. Early Dan Aykroyd movie where he moves into a haunted house. Yep. Oh, what was that one? I don't know if I saw that one. Dude, I gotta see that. Always happy to see a kitty. I think we have one coming. Oh, we've got we've got the secondary. We got Absol's cat coming. In. This is a secondary kitty. Thank you, everyone, for bearing with me while I um get this ad thing sort of dialed in properly. Um, so I do appreciate you guys watching the ads. He's very young. He's about, what, two years old? Very soft. He's very floof. <laughs> Super floof. He's smaller than Bagel. And he has the cat's Bagel. So we have Bagel Bite, and this is Cheez-It. He doesn't like his face touch. He's weird. And he cuddles with me. He's more of like Abso's cat. But he's starting to warm up to me. He's, uh, yeah, he's different. We didn't really have a, I, I loved you early on. And then we had kind of a weird time. And now we're starting to like connect because he's a, a cat, like a cat I've never had. So I don't really know how to deal with him. He's new. You're new. Thank you. That's very yeah. smart of you to attack my hand because it's the source of the movement. <laughs> But also, don't attack my hand. <laughs> but here's the uh, here's the little lineage. This was the my original cat. That's the pizza cat. Inky here has the pizza cat as well. There's the pizza cat. Yep. I made him a pizza cat. Then we have the bagel bite kitten edition. This one's new up here. It's seeing little bagel is so yep. cute. He's so cute. And now there he is, little little bagel. He's popping up. Awesome. And then awesome the queen. What's up? He's a lot cute. This this is really weird. How it like the head pops out of it. It was like a two eyed monster cat. When you look down there, it really trips me out. Oh. And, and then we get we'll drop a couple of cheeses in there with his little eat pizza. The queen. So many kitties. So many kitties. Lots of kitties, lots of pizza cats. So yeah, bagel bite, cheese it, pizza cat. And oh, speaking of pizza cat, remember I was telling you about our our friend Sonnet. 
Yeah. Sonic got a pizza cat? No. I never showed you. I didn't put it in your Discord. Oh, did Sonic... Oh, you commissioned them. Yes. yes. Did she do it on on stream, too? I don't know, because I didn't want to see it. And it was a surprise for Abso. Oh, I got you. I need more cat emotes, because my cat's such a big part of my stream. She's always getting in the way of it. You see this, dude? I do. That's cute. And it's so cute because she made him like the original pizza cat. Yeah. He's got the little, the little pink nose and the yellow eyes and the part. And it's cute because like his hair did connect on the top, but she's got mm -hmm. this cool part. So, you know, there was only like the one fixed picture, but she, she got him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely like teared got up. Got him. But and it's 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 amazing. Like there's like a slight fade here in the material that she's put in and down here. Like there's nice attention to detail. Oh wow. A bit of yellow around that eye is really nice. And then uh there's the back, and it's very uh stitched very dense, very hard. Um, you know, it's not like stuffed half-assed or brushed and then the pizza is awesome because can you show it again cp i made you big so the pizza is so cute because it's all portable you know it's i'm not portable it's all adjustable they do commissions of a queen yes um that'd be you could flip them and do cups well cup pepperonis and this is a really like hard edge. And the thing is you can dissect this and take the take them off. The cats run off with them from time to time. And then have a cheese pizza. And then you can take the cheese off. Just the sauce. So it's you can make a pizza. You can do the pizza. You can put the cheese on it. You can put the pepperonis. You could do whatever you want. Do the, the pizza cheese on it. Wait, you can take it all apart? Oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, and then you put the cat on it. So you can come off, and then take the toppings off. Take that off. I just don't know how to spell silence, apparently. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing. And uh, there'll be more coming from her, too. I, uh... Aww, he's got this little feet. Little Got the little feet too, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> that's so good. Butt. That's, Thank that's you, Vaqueen. Is that his butt? Yeah, she does a great job. I I recommend I recommend like hanging out with her on her channel because she's fun. When you get when you get Sonnet laughing <laughs> and distracted, it's oh like, my like, goodness, she that she was... calls the the giggle fest. Insert whatever yeah. year it is. <laughs> Giggle Fest 2023. Well, you rated Sonnet, and then that's how you came in. And it, like that was like the interaction. She was just like, everyone was goofing, and she was giggling, and she was making this thing. And I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. Like, I'll hang out. And then, yeah, randomly, I went, I got back to Twitch, and I saw she was streaming. And I was like, hey, do you think you could rock something before Christmas? And she was able to get this out before Christmas and shipped from quite far away. Um, and I'm so happy 
Yeah, she's over in Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite a ways. We're in New England, so it's quite a ways. And especially during the holidays, she was very... She is live right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If she's still live, we'll probably raid her even. Yeah, I was watching her yesterday. um, And we were talking about the new soda. It's uh, Starry. It's, It's the replacement for Sierra Mist. If Sierra Mist was your soda and it's disappeared, it's because the company was a Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola. I don't know which one it was. They replaced it with Starry. They replaced it? It's a rebrand. How do you just replace Well, a brand? Like, Starry, what, why? Starry is a rebrand because Sierra Mist has become old. Let's go to the Sierra Mist. It just it doesn't even sound... It sounds it sounds old, so they changed it to some starry. It doesn't sound and uh, simple, and 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 they wanted to appeal to kids, and they created the graphic design as simple and engaging, and then they 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 took out all the cane sugar, and they just jacked that shit with high fruit corto fucking fruit crotos. I can't even say it. It's 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 gumming up my fruit crotos. I fructose corn syrup. It just starts to bubble up from the sides of your teeth. So your 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 voice just did a representation of what that shit does to your body. That's right. <laughs> it's freaking That's blocks, right. creates a blockage. And that shit, that shit is highly addictive, everyone. And it's like if crack. You want, if you want to get your high fructose fix, make sure you buy your kids some Starry, and get those kids the fucking diabetes. Diabetes. No, I just found that out. I just it was it so was we're kind of fucked up thing. I was like, yeah. All right. So Vikings like I'll... we're we're going a bit off subject here, talking about Starry Soda and promoting <laughs> Sonnet of Silence, because that's what type of day it's gonna be. Honestly, I I I we're all making pizzas. I often change the title of the stream. Like when I download it, I'll change the file name to like match more like what we talked about. So when I upload it to YouTube, it'll match more. You'll put that shit and then we'll put some, some with, with, with tangent. You do. Hey, she says, hi, wants, awesome. If anyone wants more of me, uh, go and watch in my VODs, Pizza Cat Chat podcast from last night. Yeah. And you'll see probably one of the most unprofessional fucking podcast i've ever done <laughs> i was just not feeling it i just kept swords. getting tired and like oh swords we were, cp we were arguing with each other at the end swords great. swords swords what the swords we're talking about swords start back at the top Swords. So today on Coffee and Contemplation, we're talking <laughs> so, about stories and so shit and how they. I, I actually. Uh, no, you're right. I should do. I should do midstream sort of recaps because sometimes people enter in and be like, "What's going on here? We're talking about soda? That doesn't. That doesn't sound like anything." Yeah, I, 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 I try for to, the mind control. <laughs> I try to do them every half hour just to get myself yeah. back on chat. I actually don't do it much because I let. I you know when I podcast with Abso in thirty two, it's like. If I were to do it by myself, I would probably just so, do it every hour, uh, every 30 minutes, just to yeah. keep myself. This is Coffee and Contemplation. 
Today we're trying to talk about <laughs> trying. Today we're talking about um, stories, and we're talking about how um, fantasy adventure. We're talking about dragons, um, magic, I'll swords, and sorcery. Die. Trying. Yeah, you could let her know that we're uh, we're showing off her swag. Yeah, her swag. It's, oh, it's so swag. 90s. So got some swaggle there, bud. Dragons, magic, swords, sorcery, coffee, and contemplation. Talking about the nineties. You guys don't know anything about the nineties. You guys were me and Boise do, but I was a baby. Mm-hmm. You were you were a you were a I was child, I was right? born in eighty eight. Yes, you were a child. I was a child. Your, your childhood. So it was my adolescence. Yeah. So, uh, so I was an eighties child. But I, I represent more of my aesthetic with the 90s, and this arcade will start to reflect that. We're going from the 80s to the 90s, baby. <laughs> I always was like, I just didn't know. I didn't know myself well enough. The stories so that I've been telling myself for years were inaccurate. I told myself other versions of stories, and those stories became reality. Not knowing my true feelings, I found that I was starting to become a version of some unaccountable uh, humanoid that only wanted to perpetuate nothingness. I felt no connection to nature. I'm so sorry, CP. That's the book one of the Dreamers Arcade. That was just me trying to vibe on this thing. I fell deep into the void. I didn't know how deep the chasm was, but... Miss Three, streaming this year, 2023. 2023, Miss Three, Dreamers Arcade, streaming in February, I guarantee. Right. I just... This one's for you, Miss Lisa. God damn it. Miss Lisa? for you. She's not Where's, even Where even? I'm she's just, not even here. You're seeing in my mind. Because everybody is always here with me all the time. Whether they're really here or not. I can but, manifest... Uh, if if Ms. the truth, <laughs> CP, if the track I intended for today's conversation were, was right next to me in my apartment, you you're in Siberia right now. <laughs> like that's that's where. What are you talking about? I'm talking about narrative and how they frame my perception. I got to be dramatic. Be dramatic reading. I come up every layer. What <laughs> a manifest boba. If you're just joining us, we're discussing. Um, playing pretend, essentially, and how it uh, has affected society on a grand, in a grand way, like a huge way. Uh, society would not be the same without stories, without telling stories. We're talking movies, TV, video games, um, books, comics, all of it. But also, we're discussing a little bit about how Dungeons & Dragons has, over time, allowed people to craft their own stories, creating a framework, sort of a jumping off point. Um, yeah, the, we I know we're talking about Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I find Dungeons & Dragons to be a really interesting cultural phenomenon that uh, <laughs> I am really happy to see the increased amount of people to it and uh, women, mainly yeah. over the years. It was a male-dominated thing when it started, and like been, most, yeah, 
like most things. And now there isn't, you know, you define yourself differently. You have the choice to kind of make your own path. Um, as far as women in Dungeons and Dragons, I love it because um, I don't necessarily have like strongest relationships with men for a lot of those traditional kind of really reasons and the way that men were supposed to act and a lot of men of my generation continued to act in a way that was um closed and i i never i never liked that because i thought it was uh disconnecting yep and lacked connection so, so it, it negates it negates my value system so then I started meeting people over the time, or, you know, like people more like me and uh, men in that category. And like, you know, you identify as a man. And I mean, not really for that same reason. What? I don't, but, I don't consider myself part of the, the majority male population is what I should say. That's the, but you should, you should define you should define your manhood and your masculinity and still be like, Hey, I can talk and think. And yeah, I mean, I guess make me any I, less of a, I consider, a man. yeah, like, we need to I, redefine. I get what that. you're saying, but what I guess what I mean by that is I don't associate myself with the majority of the main, the male population. I, I consider myself a man, but when it comes to like, um, whenever I hear stories about um, men are doing this again and uh, men don't talk about their feelings, I don't, I don't, I don't sort of prescribe to it. You know, I go, oh, that's they're not talking about me is what I basically say. You know, I say they're not talking about me when they say things like that. The queen's got a, a man is someone who lives and lets live, same as a woman. Yeah, exactly. We're we're all just human. And when you yeah. stop, when you stop associating yourself. When you start associating yourself to one group or another, you start to lose your humanity. Yeah, and it affects the way you identify yourself, too. Um, and that's why I think it's important for men who are more vocal and uh, in touch with being expressive through their feelings, represent that and be like, hey, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm part of this crew, too. Uh, so please don't make a generalization that I want this because I probably, uh, I probably don't. So, and, uh, I think that representation is important, but that being said, uh, I tended to like to hang out with women more, um, because of the conversation, uh, the activity and just different things that women like to do. Uh, I connected with, uh, I like to talk for the end of time. So like, a lot of dudes get bored with that very quickly. Um, and it's true. Uh, it, yeah, it's hard to find people that you can just vibe with for a lot. So I found like I'd be having conversations on the phone with women for hours sometimes and just talking about life. And, and that's the, the rush that I was getting because, hey, look, if I'm someone who doesn't produce a good amount of dopamine too, finding out I had ADHD, um, I'm probably trying to build, you know, on the conversation, keep it stacking to where I'm getting something in, uh, because if I, I found as an artist, if I bring some stuff up to you, 
and you're not equipped for that, it might overwhelm you just with dealing with your own personal feelings. So I have groups of friends that I've realized that not necessarily groups of friends that I like Mr. Popular over here, but I have friends that like, you know, me, I want to have a, you know, I want to have an hour conversation about this and this and this, but then we get five minutes in and then say, you're getting frustrated. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Uh, you've already been challenged to the point where you're starting to get angry. And like, if I keep doing this, like, it's probably going to make you pissy. And, but I'm like, I'm just willing to start digging into it now. And I'm not going to pretend I have the answers because that's the other thing too. Like two dudes like us who, who talk a lot, mm -hmm. um, we're very well, you know, we'll say like, we're, it's contemplation. It's not yeah. coffee in factual answers. It's a conversation is how you develop things. Some people don't want to develop things. They just want to say, this is it men do this women do this i do this they they do this <laughs> they like and, they like the black and white answers they want you i'm right you're wrong yeah and how do you talk to a person like that you don't you don't you find you find yourself a space viking and you find someone who will just <laughs> go on and uh and 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 people like you uh queen uh you know people who will jump in and uh yeah, chat. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, connection based. Do you like to do like some of the same? Like how does that work for you? Yeah. Like, activities? Like to hear more than that. Well, like I have um, some I have some people that I would call my close friends that um there is there's no connection, yet we can vibe still. Like we don't talk the way that, that we do on coffee and contemplation. It's like part of the reason why I started coffee and contemplation was because I don't have, I almost have no one that wants to talk this way in my life. That's why, it's part of why I invited you on because you are one of the people that do like to talk this way. Yeah, and it spirals too because since I started doing this, um, I reached out to just a, a bunch of people um, and there was a bunch of stuff going on um, artistically that I encourage people to come and check out with me. And I've I've gotten a couple old art alumni that I you know used to paint with. These people coming back and and checking out shows with me and wanting to do uh, maybe like some collaborative projects. It's exciting, and not only that I help myself, but like hey yeah like now I'm starting to have some of these conversations that. I thrust upon other people that don't want to hear it. Now I talk a lot and I'm interacting with a lot of people and I found that I need to do that. And my weeks are better. My sleep's better. My overall production's better because I'm so like up in my brain. I need that stimulation. And if people are like, yeah, dude, I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, well, that sucks because I do. And now what do I do? So I found the outlet. Just like you were saying, Queen, you're single now. How do you take advantage of what would be the, if I was a single person, what would be the best thing that I would do with my life right now that I can do as this person that I can't do if I was in a relationship? And um, that's what I found with the, these, with coffee and contemplation. Uh, I, 
I started I started doing this with you like when I wasn't feeling too great. I had this seasonal depression. The holidays were rough, um, but I I shook myself out of it and was like, "Dude, you can't do everything, and don't think you're gonna be perfect." Uh, and I know you have a lot of expectations. You want to redo this. You want to get the stream back. Fuck, you wanted to do that in January. It's already February, <laughs> but. Maybe I'm not drawing. Maybe I'm not streaming. I'm still doing the podcast. I'm still I'm doing this with you, and I'm doing the drawing. Maybe it's not Dreamers Arcade stuff, but it it's drawing. It's engaging community community and those people, and the value in the minimal, like viewing of it. Like, oh, don't I don't have to write a whole graphic novel. Right. You can just draw butts. Mm -hmm. You know, and and something will come out of that. Um, if it's too much or overwhelming, take it down to a more manageable thing that you'll gain benefit from. Kind of like you were saying when you were like, I want to write something for connection. Write it yeah, for connection. Get the value. If no one ever buys it or does anything, it doesn't matter because you've done something you enjoy that is important for you and you're growing from. And then even if you found one person, even if I read it or, or Viking read it, and you're like, wow, if you change one person's life, it's just going to keep going forward. So it's well worth it. And then, yeah, what if you sell thousands of them? And then, oh, wow, I make money. Then you can actually continue the life's work because the life's work's valid because it's not just based in currency. And uh, yeah. with, with D&D, it's great because, like, yeah, getting women into the mix, like, there's going to be more fun, creative, expressive uh, things for uh uh, I've actually found that um, all the women that I've the women that I've played with D&D I've never played that's the thing I want oh. to but. see the uh, the women I've played with it seems like they're almost and like I I don't want to I'm not trying to generalize but it's like it's better <laughs> like there's it's better. more it's more creative and it, it seems like they're they're better at expressing themselves. And that's just something that's inherent from society. Like the, the nurturing, like men aren't as good as expressing themselves. So uh, like a female DM, like you'll get these vibrant characters with these like really intense pasts and really interesting emotional constructs. And, and it's like, they're, they add so much to the game that like that's a purely, it seems like if you play with a bunch of men, you end up with a bunch of murder hobos. And it's like the, the story just devolves into a murder spree. <laughs> and there's like very little negotiation. <laughs> Every now and then, yeah. though, I mean, that's Actually, also a generalization. My broadsword. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to have sex with the dragon. It's like you tried that last time. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I'm really playing Dungeons and Dragons. When I used to play Dungeons and Dragons, that being said, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons since I was like 16 years old. And okay. I, you know, there was a lot. Of, so it was a lot of me. Well, I actually started playing when I was like 13. So it was a lot of adolescent, like just making someone's day. Bread. Yeah. And then, and then like I started to learn to DM and then people wanted to, I wanted to be creative and world build. Like I still have the desire to, but uh, you know, new players were just like, I want to put a tent in the road. And then like carriage runs over it. You know, just shit like that. Like they would just troll you all the time, and it, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't too great. So I stopped. I had, I have in-laws and stuff who still do it. I tried some stuff like when I was like twenty, but um, traditional structure 
of what they are and challenge that and be able to go further um, in the game and learn some stuff about yourself. Yeah. So I, just, I feel I, like um, a lot of these stories from medieval times affected that a lot to the um, affected how we play these games too. how these role playing games sort of have allowed us to create more fiction and to create our own stories and essentially to tell telling these stories teaches us more about ourselves. Like when we play these you, games, you talked about something that was important to me and it's, it's, you know, we get into marketing and branding and the whole damn thing. And nowadays when you make a product, you, you make lots of it. And so I've created this thing called the dreamers arcade, but abso and we, uh, we've, we've created art and things, but we also sometimes create objects and shit. We had, you know, sonnet, make us this this object and it's interesting to see that continue um to build and have other people get involved in it mm -hmm. so you had mentioned what if it was a role-playing game on top of it like what if it has this, this companion book i'm like that's a great idea once i write it yep. uh, even though i haven't played rpgs in a long time i could definitely work with people who do to help me figure that out but in doing so, that's uh, that that's kind of what I want to do with the Dreamers Arcade. Not only have it something where it's interactive and and uh, we, we're talking back and forth, uh, and then the Twitch space is a space like a, this is the meeting room where we can physically go. But there's also a mm -hmm. fantastic and cerebral thing where I want people to be able to play and create their own uh, stories and and bridge the gap between reality and fantasy or maybe gray the lines i guess between it but uh it would be interesting to see like what stories other people would generate um on their own so yeah i love that idea love that idea about including people in your world and to have it organically develop Seriously, yeah. go have a look at Dreamers Arcade. That, yeah, that's 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 this guy. Do it. That's this guy. So, have you played Dungeons and Dragons uh, recently, or do you play with people? Do you play with men or women? I actually, well, I. You're asking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um. I have recently played D and D. I played it. Um, the um, two two three weeks ago, we did a one shot where I got to okay. play as a bug a bug dude. A bug and, dude, like a humanoid. Yeah, like huma, a humanoid, a humanoid insect. I called him Tic Tac. Tic -tac and he uh, and he and he. Tic -tac, Oh man, he he had been shunned from his hive, and he he still revered the hive religiously almost. But he also understood the fact that he was, um, he was he was like shunned from it. So he was still revering this hive as as a religious entity, even though he was cast out from it. And it was an interesting okay. perspective to step into. Um, this was a sci-fi um, D&D session. 
that uh, it, it involved like it being on a ship. So like we quickly had these characters sort of build their own little stories based around, okay, we're on the ship. What is our role? And what is our role on the ship? Okay, so what if I'm, what if I'm the chef? I'm a bug. I'm something that is usually seen as a, a pest in a kitchen, yet now I'm the cook. You know, like, okay, I'm the chef now and I'm, I cook these things and no one wants to eat it because, because I'm a bug. And he, uh, it, the character became very interesting because he was, I, he, I made him into a rogue, a, a witch hunter. It was the actual class, which is like a, um, um, a witcher, like from the show, yeah. the witcher, but he was a bug person. So now I have all these like stealthy blood based abilities in a sci-fi world as a bug person. So like the complexity is just starting to ramp up and up. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm fully immersed and we only had two hours to play. So I was like, I was like, so into it. And then the next time we hung out, no one else wanted to play D and D again. And I'm like, I got this character that I'm now in love with that. I, I don't get to be anymore. <laughs> and I only got to do one session. So it's like, it's funny how quickly I got attached to a story that wasn't even mine. Like it was, it wasn't my own story. It was, it was this character's story that I was building that it, it, it essentially did become my, my story, but it has nothing to do with my life. It doesn't change my life at all. It doesn't create a moral lesson. It's, it's the essence of play of like playing yeah. pretend. And I, it, it was funny how therapeutic it was. It was like, I found myself while I was playing with my buddy, Tim and Owen, that yeah, I I needed this is what I actually uttered out. Like I actually said this out loud. I needed this. Like that's an aspect I do want us to touch on, is how essential playing pretend is to our psyche, to our mental, our mental health. Yeah, and I think this this is it too. Like like we today when we do Friday coffee and contemplation, we we're playing. We're playing with ideas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we played a lot today. You know, I think that's why it's fun. Sometimes you you just go off and you know you're playing kickball one minute, and then you're out in the swamp mucking around. You know, it's just uh, how play sometimes <laughs> takes you to a different spot. So I get a lot of thought and ideas just playing. I guess I guess we're playing in our minds. You know, like yeah, we're not just saying like things that are asked of us, like, what do you want for lunch? Or <laughs> what are you doing for work tomorrow? Or when are you stopping by to drop this thing off? You know, it's, yeah. it's like, what we're not, we're not mean? talking about the weather. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, okay. Uh, I, I will give, no. you, yeah. give you that <laughs> because up here, well, up here in Maine, uh, why'd I go so, so down South? Uh, <laughs> Comics and prints available at the print shop. Buy them up. I got a couple, couple signed ones kicking around, and I will be giving a full, full reviews of a lot of uh, some of these upcoming comics, including uh, the comics listed there, um, along with uh, some other people in my what is called the Con family. Uh, yes, I'm digging the through the convention a cult created by some very talented people, and I'm going to 
reciprocate uh, my appreciation by, you know, giving some feedback if if wanted, if warranted. So uh, here in uh, Maine, where I'm at, it is currently zero. We are fucking zero, but we have a wind chill factor, and it feels like negative 22. Now, that's Fahrenheit, folks. Yep. That's not your Celsius shit. That's Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they say, go out and start the car every once in a while. You know, when I go to use the debit card just a few days ago when it was warm, huh? The chip reader. Nope, we don't work because electronics just stop working. So, hey, when the, hey, wait, when the creatures come, when the, when the, man, man, I'm an AI dog gonna stomp you, murder robot. You just come up here to Maine and we're gonna all get by the fire. The arcade might not be running. We might have to bust them out and put candles and shit in them, but it'll still be cool. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take it we're gonna take it down to a human level, and we're gonna freeze out those robots. They're gonna be walking around. Sydney, <laughs> 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 where where are you? Can I? May I? We're coming to Maine to the Dreamers Arcade. What the Dreamers Arcades in New Hampshire? <sighs> But I'm in Maine. Wait, this is in Maine. But no, wait. The Dreamers <laughs> Arcade. That, that in this comic CP world. CP Sketch. Where are you? It's not on the top what of the Washington. It's right here. With this guy. CP. And you. Hold and on. you. No. And all of you. Swords. I love me some candles. Yeah. Swords and sorcery. Swords and sorcery. Our RPGs. We're so your your dreamers arcade as we're gonna we're gonna dial it back. Doodle 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 doodle. Okay, we're going back, back, back oh, further. Here, 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 Hold on. Hold. <laughs> no. Whoa. Look. Whoa. The. The idea of your oh. dreamers arcade as an RPG, like the story that you've built, is oh. absolutely brilliant. Oh. 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 <laughs> so, um, what oh. we are referencing, oh. so, so those of you know the Dudesy podcast, um, I'm a big fan of it. Will Sasso will often, almost without fail, almost every segment interrupt Chad. Oh. Like, and I, I'm still, I'm waiting for it. Because he he's gotten progressively more and more annoyed with Will, like throughout Chad the. Called, Chad called him on it though. He did, yeah, he did a couple you see times. The last one where he was talking about like he interrupted him and he didn't even have anything to say, and he's like, "Oh, I just woke yeah. you and I didn't have anything to say." And then he's like, "Oh, that that's Chas Brogan." And you see that where he called yeah. him about like doing. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like, "What are you doing, dude? What is that impersonation like? See how that feels?" And then they just yeah. laugh. And Chad, like, yeah. Years. 20 years and we're finally growing as a friendship. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like Chad just let him do it. I think Chad just let him be. I I don't know. I don't have many things that grind my gears. I feel like interruptions extended. I I, I feel like I, I'm interrupted and I don't really care that much. But if it's like over and over and over again, like like he's putting up with. Yeah. I don't I don't think I could do it. I just feel like. I'm done. <laughs> like if I was in Chad's position, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> oh, 
so she's got a, a full meal. I'm not having this. Abso's. Well, I mean, I can't make you. I mean, got like a a, din, a dinner pot roast going on here. Well, like, already. You you can uh, munch. You you can munch. I um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the story that you've crafted, Dreamers Arcade, had a very humble beginning, and now you're all the way up to considering sure, sure. like it as an R, an RPG, a uh, role playing game, a tabletop role playing game. There's been times mm -hmm. when I've, I've played. Like I played D and D in the in the and the, and the uh, brought to you by Body Armor Light. No, see, I, he just said he hated it, so I I don't know why I felt like I needed to interrupt him. It was awesome. That's 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 what Will does. He gets the charge. That now I know why he does it. Look at look look, look yeah. at your face. Look at your face. It's like fuck mm -hmm. you, dude. And so I'm, uh, and now I can tell you're you're simultaneously pissed, but I'm like. So I feel awkward. Now I know why he does it. Okay, continue on. <laughs> now I know why Chad pauses because he's like, I don't even want to. Chad, Chad does it whenever, like, when he opens up, when he, when Will finally opens up the floor to him. Chad yeah. pauses because he doesn't even want to anymore. He's like, I don't even, I don't even want to say what I was going to say now because like I'm just that frustrated. <laughs> I got my shirt on backwards. Yeah. Get it. So, look at this. I'm doing good. This is the type of day we're gonna have. I can't even. So, put, I can't even put shirts on. A lot of stories get adapted into different forms of media, such as like books, films, and video games, right? Like oh, your 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 so your story getting adapted into a RPG is, probably goes pretty deep into like how you feel about different forms of media as well. Because, like, you probably had an idea of, like, is it a novel? Is it a graphic novel? And then I brought up the idea of it being an RPG, and that changes the structure. That changes how it's absorbed, how it's told, what you can learn from it. It's going to change, if, especially if it's an RPG. I've played D&D &D games where the DM had a, such a strict story in mind that the players felt railroaded and too, too structured. And then yeah. I've, I've played D&D &D games where... There was no structure and it was chaos and there was no story to be had. So like there's a balance. Like mm -hmm. I want I want to be told a story and play a game at the same time, but I also don't want it to just be a mash of like there was one actually in the beginning of the stream, this this stream, the game part of it, we played Divinity and we entered a town and I accidentally killed a guy and the whole town turned against us and there was a story that the game intended for that area which is now done because we killed everyone in the town right that happened to me in a DD game as well the narrative got completely wiped out because of our actions and the dm had to come come up with something and they didn't have anything in place which ended up the the narrative was gone like whatever story was intended was completely gone it seems like a pretty easy fix though it can be like uh, Brennan, um, Brennan Mulligan, a very, he's a YouTube, now he's a YouTube star who is, is a DM. Um, he had a great example of this where there was a town that they were going to uh, a wedding and the wedding, he had plans for the wedding to get um, destroyed by this, sorce this sorcerer, right? But the, the players were upset with the way this woman was getting married. So they saved her from the wedding 
and kidnapped her while she agreed to go with them. But they took her, and now the story is them getting hunted by this kingdom. So the sorcerer shows up to this wedding, like, ah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna ruin this wedding, and the wedding's already been ruined. And he's like, oh, oh, wait, what? What? So the kingdom ends up having to hire this sorcerer to help find the bride <laughs> instead. Like, it was brilliant. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, you have to have um, some kind of contingency plan when it comes to D&D. If, if your main guy is the facilitator of the quest to bring the person and they kill that person, you just have to have... Uh, the other secondary person that would come in and just do the same thing mm -hmm. um, or, you know, just improv it, make up, just, you know, make it up. Yeah. Make it up. Make it up. Just make it up, dude. It should, shouldn't be that, it shouldn't be that hard. So that's why I like one shots so much. Like a one shot is a story that um, is, is, can be contained within a couple hours of gameplay of, of a tabletop game. And when you can like manage to tell a really engaging and interesting story and have some fun events for the players in that short amount of time, that shows a lot of creativity to me to be able to shorten the story. And it also makes it more fun for me because then I don't have this pressure of, oh, we got to meet every week and we got to play. And what if something happens? And then what if something happens for everyone in the group for many months in a row? And then you don't play for like a whole year and how are you supposed to like pick it up again? So like the one shots and so much better for me. And I'm sorry to yeah. jump down your throat with it being about D and D, but that's what I was sort of leading up to with our subject matter. Here's how now we craft our own stories. Like it used to be the Epic of Gilgamesh. It used to be the Iliad. And now we have this amazing platform that this, this like what stack, like almost two feet high of books that we can go off of to craft our own story from this, these building blocks, these books provide us. And then like Pathfinder has its own system and there's like a multitude of other systems we can use to like build our own stories, which is just so fantastic. Like you don't even have to be a writer or a creatively trained individual to use these books to craft a story. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, that's something that I've thought a lot about. You were talking uh, about different different ways to present a story and why choose one over the other. And that's yeah. something that is a little more unique to the experience of human beings living in 2023. We have different options and I always think now and this helps a lot what is what is the intention of the work that I'm trying to create and that helps helps me guide it without going too tangential and keeping it within a framework and that can also be included with what you choose to represent your work um, if you make art, a lot of times the material is now important. We're getting into stuff that's less drawing, less painting, less printmaking, and all of the same combined together. Um, less sculpture, more installation. 
Marcel Duchamp in the ready-made, bringing urinals into uh, uh, art galleries and putting them in a different orientation and saying, that's my art. Well, dude, you just bought that at a hardware store mm -hmm. and you recontextualized it. So it's, we move into these conceptual spaces, but the material starts to inform the way that we look at it. And that's been a big part of art within our lives. And I looked at a lot of guys like Klaus Oldenburg, like making objects of different scale, making painterly kind of horrid looking, uh, horrid looking uh, boutique items or, or food items, and, and then renting out a storefront in, in New York. And that was his gallery space, like talking about objects art making process and then the commodification of art and how things are sold today yeah so i look at a lot of those kind of examples and with the dreamers arcade it's all about how the physical world speaks to a conceptual or digital world i grew up as a traditional carpenter inspired by the internet and things that screens here that that are just flat and have a bunch of simple images but with with a piece of art on the side of the cabinet, the story goes even further. And then it, the whole thing is an object in itself, the experience of the, the, the arcade and the tactileness of the buttons. You get into pinball machines and they're like giant dioramas that you can just explore. Uh, it, the physicality of games was something that was a little bit more predominant when they first came out. And now everything is basically just a little file in your phone and you lose a lot of that experience of how the artifact informs the imagination. And so that's, those are some of the, the concepts that are stringing together for the Dreamers Arcade. And then the question is, well, how do I put it out? Nowadays, everybody wants to put out every format of things because money is money is money. And if yeah. you have... 10 ingredients at McDonald's and you make eight sandwiches out of them, you're going to try to figure out how to make 10 or 15. It's the same stuff you're already buying, but you're figuring out ways to take what you already have and put it into different things, either make a different sandwich or make it a different format for someone who likes to read, someone who likes to binge watch TV, someone who likes the comics, someone who likes to role play. And, and, and each one of those mediums has an advantage and a disadvantage and you have to figure out which ones those are and understand that translation. And this is something we don't understand uh, in, in a mainstream sense. I mean, people understand it. They just don't give a shit. But if you were to take stuff that was a graphic novel and make it a movie or a TV show and a game, vice versa, they don't translate a lot and they don't work. And it's like, oh, wow, this worked as a comic but didn't work as a movie. Why? Well, comic experience is something that's more ongoing something that you can stop you can go back in time with you can flip back there's different ways to experience that so how would that utilize the format of the dreamers arcade that's the things i have to or how would a movie be better or could i do a little bit of both like would one story work better as a movie would one story work better as a comic and so those are the questions to ask yourself uh uh going forward to help kind of clear that up that's what i it's what I tend to do, tend to do. I got to show something here. Oh, look at this guy. You brought, you, you, you brought up feet, <laughs> my feet. Demonetized. Um, it's demonetized or, or over or even more monetized. 
Well, I mean, I would think so. Um, like, yeah. The, so the algorithm. I gotta show this. So you guys know of the story of Beowulf, right? Yeah, with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, so that that movie was hilariously um sort of bashed. Like it's not yeah. good. Not a good movie. Not a good adaptation. No, really boring, but really stiff. Here's ugly. the original story of Beowulf. Penguin Classics, yeah, translated by that. Michael Alexander. Um, and then I have this story is really hard to read. I actually have not read this particular book in my hand right now because even with the translations, this is so hard to read. Um, is so I'm, so for it is because all right. So here's here's a passage from it. All right. So yeah, you're gonna you gotta call bullshit sometimes. Hold so on. here I'm gonna give you a passage from close to the end of the story. I can hear you. Okay. For the famous prince, the protection lent to his life and person by the shield was shorter than he had shaped it to be. He must now dispute this space of time. In in the first of his life, when fate had not assigned him the glory of the battle. The Geet chieftain raised his hand and reached down such a stroke with a lar his large ancestral sword on the horribly patterned snake that meeting the bone, his bright edge turned and had bit less strongly than the sorely straightened lord required it of it then. The keeper of the barrow, after his stroke, grew savage in the mood, spat death fire, the sparks of their battle blazed into the distance. So because of the difficulty that that is to read, I could glean he's fighting a snake with a very intricate pattern. And after he struck the snake, he looked and saw a battle um, being lit up by some fire. Right. So we have the. Um, Santiago Gar Garcia and David Rubin Beowulf adaptation into a comic. Let's find that section and see if that is easier for me to absorb the oh. story. Okay. What section are you reading? That's the near the end when he's fighting a snake. Here it is. Oh my god, I found it. What page was that? What page? Oh, do you have the Penguin Classics one too? No, but... <laughs> What's the, what's your what's your um translation? This one, this one is great. Well, I want you to show the comic thing. I don't want to say okay. that up. So, but, but the uh, the battle with the snake, right? Yeah. This would be the dragon. Oh, this is the whole story. So, I need to go closer to the middle here. To mother. Like the old book describes Grendel as a snake. For some reason. But really? the, the book adaptation. The, the comic adaptation here shows Grendel as a monster. It's like. Hmm. So the the version that I have is really interesting. This is the uh, the bilingual edition. Oh. 
So that section is is probably separate. Orders of the funeral. Is this the whole story? Is this Grendel's death as well? There's the map. Is this the actual the dragon that he fights at the end? Oh, it's got the family tree too. Your notes. Welcome to the Coffee and Contemplation Book Club. Well, the thing, the reason I'm bringing up Beowulf is because the Queen brought up a very interesting thing at Thor the Bride. So there are stories that are also passed down through oral tradition. Um, the Norse uh, is something that I have a lot of familiar, familiarity with because I'm Norse pagan my, myself, so I've looked up these stories pretty often. Thor's wedding is a very interesting story to me because Thor um, decides to disguise himself as a bride in order to trick Loki, I believe. And this story of, of Thor the Bride, if you guys want to get into it, I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link here. Because uh, I don't want to read the entire thing to you. Oh, why not? I could. I could read the story to you. It's not terribly long. Um, Beowulf is from that same era that things were not written down properly. So I'm glad you had a version with you. Who translated yours? This is the new verse translation by Seamus Henley. So mine is translated by Michael Alexander, who I don't know who that is. And um, this, this version... Read the first line of the story to me. I want to just show you. It has the the english and then the bilingual okay so you have the 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 religion to where uh what so we were going to get in the first page get to Let's the the, the get to the the part that says um the first page of the actual story so not the introduction like past the introduction yeah, yeah, yeah. of the of the english that's a lot of introduction here okay the so mind says attend we have heard of the thriving of the throne of Denmark, how the folk kings flourished in former days, how those royal athlings earned that glory. It was not the skied shuflung. What? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, some of it isn't translated. That's cool. It was not ah. skied shiflung that shook the halls, took mead benches, taught encroaching foes to fear him. Who found in childhood lack, lacked clothing? Question mark. <laughs> Yet he lived and prospered, grew in strength and stature under the heavens until the clans settled in the sea coasts, neighboring over the whale road that must obey him and give tribute. He was a good king. That's the first paragraph I have. Okay, so here we go. So the spear. Danes in the days gone by, and the kings who ruled them had courage and greatness. We have heard of those princes' heroic campaigns, the shield chiefson, scourge of many tribes, the wrecker of mead benches, rampaging among foes, the terror of the hall troops had come far, the foundling to start with. 
he would flourish later on as his powers waxed and his worth was proved. In the end, each clan on their outlying cost beyond the whale road had to yield to him and begin to pay tribute. That was one good king. Wow, it's it's funny how like the the the, the vibe is the same. And this was put out in 2000. So All right, this and about, this... this is about the queen. This is the queen edition. Vic queen edition. You guys are about the same age. <laughs> so this was 1944 for my copy. Yours is a little different. But then it's got like um, the Wagardin in Gardagum. I can't. How do you even yeah. speak this? Yeah. This was uh, 2016, was when the comic came out. And the way the comic starts is it has taken liberty, a lot of creative liberty with the that's, story. That's 16 years after what I've read. Okay. So the comic, I'm going to go and uh, bring up my chat cam so you guys can see. Because it's, it's a visual. This is why I love adaptations, right? It's a visual. It, there's no words in the intro. This is the first page of this. It's visual storytelling. Uh, this is why I love adaptations. So one, a monster. It, it, it completely gre it greets us with the main point of the story. It skips over the, the setting. We don't learn about the kings. We don't learn about how good the king was. Hrothgar, you know, he was a good king. We get introduced. We get introduced to how good he was. But instead, we get fortune and drinks and they're partying and then suddenly everybody's dying. We don't learn how good of a king he was. We just learn, oh my god, this is happening. It's it's fascinating that the movie was so was so bad <laughs> when they had so much, so much to go off of. They had adaptation after adaptation to look into and be like okay what's the feel how do we want this to go and instead they just said okay we got angelina jolie so we're gonna make money yeah i saw that in the theater that was that was not fun not fun sorry um but like that sorry this is uh i'm getting into like i'm just i'm upset but let's talk about the fact that oh, this story has has stood the test of time. Like we have this copy from 1944. The actual story was from 900 AD. It was an orally trans transmitted story. Like no one wrote it down. We're talking hundreds of years of the story of Beowulf being told by hundreds of different clans in Denmark until monks finally wrote it down. It was then retranslated by Michael Alexander it was retranslated by what was your writer again? Emus Henley in 2000. That is just insane that the game of telephone over the eons has changed Beowulf to the point where we are now, my most recent copy of it is a comic book adaptation that doesn't even mention. Hrothgar being a good king, it immediately shows the tragedy of all of his people getting killed by Grendel. That's how that's introduced. Meanwhile, Isn't both that of our movie introduced it too. I believe so because it's all fear factor, like you said, shock value. Like a lot of our stories now are based on fear. A lot of our morals are are delivered to us based on fear. Whereas back in 900 A.D., look how good our king is. 
what tragedy has befallen our good king? That's exactly how the story starts originally. But now we have to use fear to introduce people to stories. Well, I mean, I, I, I'd say that, I'd say fears. I think we've talked about this before. Like fears been a way to get people engaged in your stories and your ideology quickly by making people, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, everybody. Let's let's step back and really look at the subject. And uh, it, it's scary. You might want to listen to me first because you could get yourself in a situation. So yeah, fear, fear yeah. definitely. Um, and then look at the world we live in, you know, like back then you're bored sitting around the fire, like, oh, uh, hey, uh, hey bud, tell me that, tell me that, uh, tell me that story about that mountain, that Grendel and that King. And you know, like we need, we need some, mm-hmm. we need some uh, entertainment. We need some, some motivation. And, yeah, it's a gripping effect. Yeah. Incarnate, how yeah. are you? And then to like, know this stuff but like you have to lead like pretty just think about it think of the movies that were made in the 70s versus the 90s versus 2010 versus 2020 like movies just can't for an audience they have to just jump right out and if they're not introducing antagonists and getting people like invested then a lot of people like "Eh, i'm bored with it because it's you know they're i'd say movies are still generally made for um you know making money and and selling them to younger folks so younger folks the amount of decisions that get made in in uh, the disney conference room just to sell more toys is astounding to me there's like so many decisions um for the script of a movie that are made simply because oh we need to sell toys So let's make the ship shaped like this, or let's make um, this easier to promote, or, you know, vice versa. It's no longer about the story. I'd say that doesn't surprise me, being an 80s kid, because there was this guy around, and... uh, Oh, yeah, He-Man. And this guy, I bought. I just bought him. Like Yeah, He-Man's... He-Man's an interesting case, though. He-Man's a case where they wanted to make the toy... So yeah. instead of instead of making a toy based on a show, they made a show based on a toy. Oh, you can look, you can look down a little bit. Isn't that why He-Man has such conflicting themes? Like you've got soldiers with guns and armor mixed with swords and sorcery. Yeah, it's sci-fi. I mean, we got my boy. We got my boy over here. These these were. Uh, I was having a day out and celebrating uh, something, and these happened to be at a Target, and they were like, uh, just just on clearance, and I got a. OG looking trap jaw and a He Man talking about play. See, and I played with him. And hey, it's been a while, dude. You know, we used to fight a lot. Yeah, I used to have to, man. It's like I just needed to work. <laughs> I didn't really want to. Skeletor had me had me grinding out those shifts. I don't have any problem. Oh my with god! Music. You know, they're friends now. They're friends. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna sit them over here. Maybe they'll pop up a few times. So- I think I'm gonna blacklight paint actually this guy, and uh, um, CP, I have another question for you. Well, you don't want to? We can't play with He-Man. No, you can Beowulf. keep you. It actually uh, continues on the subject of He-Man and Beowulf. In Beowulf now. Mm-hmm. This is the He-Man Beowulf edition. That's okay, the queen. Um. So, do you have any personal experiences? 
or encounters with these mythical stories, such as Beowulf, such as He-Man, that have inspired you in your own work or your own life. Like we touched on that a little bit already, but I want you to expand a little bit further. Like, yeah, um, watching the movie Beowulf probably did nothing to inspire you because it was not a good, well-told story, right? Like, I, I know I walked away from it with nothing, but the book, when I read passages from the book, even as difficult as it is to read, it inspires me. I want to, like, I, I visualize what's happening. And seeing the art style and the imagery from the comic book of it inspires me heavily to want to create my own stuff. And the good thing is about this one written for a modern society, I just want to mm -hmm. say... If you look at the English translation, there's a little paragraph on the side of it. And this is yeah. for the ADD version. So it just says, like, uh, this page 49, you know, you have all this text, the whole thing. But what actually happens mm -hmm. in it, it says Grendel strikes. And then oh, a great, a, a, a Giet. I thought that said great. What was the Giet? Was it Geet? Geet. 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 Yeah, it's geet geet. <laughs> a geet warrior perishes. So that's just what happens in all this stuff. And it makes it so you can like kind of understand it. It's very poetic, you know, it is. Mm -hmm. And much like anything that's written in this style, we talked about Greek mythology earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. I talked about the Bible earlier. There's a certain amount of interpretation in the translation, but there's also, you can't deny um, that we all process stuff for our, in our own ways so mm -hmm. based on the cakewalk uh, i didn't get the cake i might see a story in here and be like oh dude beowulf didn't get the cake either yeah the world yeah yeah they fuck people like us so see how i can reaffirm a narrative even if it's not real if it's just like a historical literature i can still be constantly building up yeah uh, the way that i view the world so that's fascinating because um, the way that we sort of interpret which parts of stories inspire us is also going to be which parts of stories inspire us to be the people we are in our lives. If you want to create something that's similar to a story that you've heard, then you might also be taking stuff from that and you might not even feel it. It might be subconscious even that you're making choices yeah. based on characters or stories that you would had read now um we're nearing like, where i'd like to wrap up um but sorry you go ahead well i was gonna say like do you believe in uh numerology to an extent yes so i i, I do probably to an extent too but i don't know a lot about it i was yeah. talking to my father the other day and we're and i was just talking about my dad hasn't done a lot with psychology but i i do talk to him just as a human being and stuff that i've gone through and we work together a lot and he's starting to grasp some of the concepts, whether he's, uh, I don't believe in that stuff or not. He's starting to see like, yeah, there's these things have informed the way that I look at the world. And I was telling him based on this and this, I tend to see the world like this. And, uh, and I think my mom said some stuff. My dad's like, you know, I really like to think of numbers, like, numbers like i think this day's lucky this day's unlucky and so he created a code that's you know in a way like how people would probably view numerology but he lets that that code 
and I don't know for how long, probably his whole life, because his mother said a lot of things like superstitious things like this number's bad or the number 10's bad. He's convinced the number 10's bad. So whenever it's the 10th of the month, my dad has already created a narrative for the day. Mm -hmm. And if it's the 16th, then it's a good day. And see, I believe that too, because that's the 16th is my birthday. So I have this weird bias to the number of July 16th. And then so every 16, like, oh, yeah, it's, hey, 16, that's my lucky number. I mean, just because of the fact that I just happen to be born on this day. So it's interesting that whereas, you know, you might be framing from story or narrative or conversation or art, but then somebody like my dad has just been like, he put a bunch of numbers in his head because it's probably a little bit more black or white. And then it's like when you when you feel weird and you're 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 conflicted in your emotions and stuff, it's easy to look at a calendar and be like, oh man, I'm not doing so good and stuff like that. And then it'd be like, oh, it's the 16th. Now I'm all right. It's gonna be a good day. And then like to look at the 10th and be like, oh yeah, I, I fucking knew it. It's gonna be a bad day. And they just just the number, the simpleness of it all is going to create an entire story for that day that month that year every every 10 oh, and i wonder how many tens has my dad been living since i i mean since i've been born a few hundred have we wow. had a lot have we had a few hundred tens that are bad <laughs> you know oh now i know that and like actually know a piece of the code so now i can go i got into my dad's mind so now I can use that to actually assess my life, which, mm -hmm. so since we're wrapping up, uh, I will say, and this gets into a larger concept, we are informed by the stories that have come in, uh, but we may have been pulling stories from the beginning. Like we may, maybe we're predisposed, maybe we are an archetype and then the stories are just reaffirming it. Maybe the story, stories are creating it. We don't really, I don't think we really know, but uh, knowing other people's stories and the way that they work is very valuable, especially when they're close. Um, so talk to people, understand, even if they're quiet, mm -hmm. try to figure out their point of view and their story, because it's going to really help you. And just to understand, like, we don't all see things the same way and we don't have to. And there's a, there's a very good reason for for our feelings and why we end up here and why we make certain decisions yeah no for sure august 18th you're a leo that's why that's why you're cool <laughs> all my friends are cancers and leos except for this guy except for this guy what are you again so i'm a cancer oh you're you are a cancer yeah yeah that's right i'm the crab i'm a crab i'm a crab i'm a crab i'm a crab um so i i'm i'm thinking like that kind of broke my brain honestly the the subject that you just breached because yeah i uh I am the stories that I have yeah. absorbed. That's all that's all you are, dude. 
Yeah. That's I what am. you wake up. You wake up today. I, I, you can wake <laughs> up tomorrow, dude. Yeah. Everybody in this chat, you can wake up tomorrow and you can say you're something different. Yeah. It's so you hard can to choose. believe because you haven't done it for a while, but you can be like, today I'm going to go out and I'm this that I'm yeah, normally I'm not. And you can really be it and you can try it out. It's probably easier to like go on a little trip, get out, get out of the town yeah. that yep. you're in. And be like, I'm going to go try out what it's like. It's a little more, it's play. It's play. Yeah. It's being safe. I'm going to try what it's like to be a little bit more open or uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be real friendly with this person. I'm going to, you know, like really engage with them in the moment instead of just putting them a coffee order, like different ways. And you can make, a version of yourself is mm -hmm. the version you want to be. So to wrap up, I want try to read. I want to read this story. Yeah, guys, try it out. Try it out. That's that. That's very true. I've just like how I chose to have a good experience with the tow the tow truck driver. You can choose to have your experiences go the way and, that, and, that you want them to. And and understand that they have a point of view too. Yeah, like right. you did. Like that dude is just there doing a job like can't mm -hmm. push snow through a vehicle like yep and yeah and and it's tough because sometimes we don't even agree with the job that they're doing some people do things we don't even want them to be there doing but somebody does somebody does somebody finds value in what they do because they wouldn't be there and they're not intentionally trying to ruin ruin your day or Oh, exactly. They're not concerned with it. I mean, they're just doing their thing. And like a lot of people think like, oh, uh, they're, they're too forward and they're too invasive and they're, they're, they're too much trying to deconstruct. Uh, I told my dad this a long time ago. People don't worry that much about you. You, you worry a lot about yourself. But yeah. you'd be amazed at how much people don't think about you at the end of the day after you've left their site. They're on to the next thing. Like we're not that i mean you're important to you but people aren't taking you home like yeah remember when i saw so-and-so at the gas station can't stop thinking about it <laughs> like, happen and if it does then they're probably they're probably a little preoccupied in a negative way for themselves and it only affects them and it doesn't even affect you because it doesn't mm -hmm. exist it only exists if you allow it to if you think people talk shit about you people talk shit about you if you yeah. don't think people talk shit about you they don't talk shit about you that's just it it's just choice because those both those realities exist because there are people that talk shit and people that don't talk shit and whether you're part of the uh equation or not uh the the subject of shit talk it doesn't matter because they just they just exist mm -hmm. the thing is is like to avoid it do not allow it and you know if they do it in privacy then that's not your concern that's just their shitty problem like like talking shit after you've tried to have a good day with them and that's that's way beyond you yeah way beyond For real you. So, to... so i hope you guys gained some insight mm -hmm. I, I got space viking yep uh into something uh a little bit interesting so, i think yeah. towards the end of it despite mm -hmm. me uh doing uh uh, a 20-minute commercial for uh, Sonnet of Silence and her uh, beautiful abilities to render. And what, what a cool, cute did design. We, did we confirm that she's still online? She's still online. She's got like 50 people hanging out. Want to go party? 
Yeah, we will. But I did want to, I wanted to read this story to you guys to wrap this up. I'm excited. You guys ready for story time? Story time. Stories. We so, got stories. Knowing, knowing what we've, what we've discussed. We got stories with the Space Viking. Y'all ready for stories? Y'all ready? You're ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this. Because Viking stories so bootylicious. So this, is, this is a story from um, the Poetic Edda. Can I act uh, it out with the, the, the character? You, you, you could. Yeah, you could do that. How many characters are in this scene? Um, 16. Are you fucking shitting me? Yeah. I'm not. I don't there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of characters in this. What do you think I am? I think you're you're, you're you're quite a quite a guy. All right, which, well, I'll I'll try to act out with okay. stuff I have around. Might be pencils and erasers. I need you to send me the Dreamers Arcade logo at some point too. By the way. Okay. Sorry, I wasn't picking my nose. Hey, you're okay. You're going dry. It's starting to get that cold, and I'm starting to get a dry. I got to put a little bit of a, a little ballistics on this. You got a blistics. All right, now we got a double double chat cam here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hey, what hey, hey. hey, hey, hey. I got a pizza cat. You do got the you got the pizza cat. All right, so this is a story from hey, the you poetic know Edda. You know what's beautiful? Talking what? about making realities and stuff. Mm -hmm. If I didn't know you. I wouldn't know Sonnet. I wouldn't have that. Like, it's fucked up, dude. It is. Because of you that I have this. Isn't that weird? Because of me. Oh, yeah. Elder Elder and Katie are uh, together now, too. Like, there's, like, so many things that, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought what, that I would have had a... Yeah. There are a couple. Um, and like she's gonna be moving in with him, and like shit like that wouldn't have happened without. Poor girl. Yeah. Poor girl. <laughs> uh, no shit. Rude. Rude. So. I gotta. I gotta talk to them. I haven't talked to them in a while. When do you game with them? Um, we haven't been able to game in a while. All right. So that's probably. So eventually. Yeah. All right. So all right. So I'm gonna get into this story. So this is a story that is um, from the Poetic Edda, which is an old collection of Norse myth mythological stories um, that were written down by some English monks. So the trans like no one's really sure how true these stories are to their original versions because the Vikings didn't write down their stories. They wrote down very, very short and to the point like wisdoms on the rune stones, but there was never like full stories written down in rune. Oh my there, god, son. There's son, literally Ah, uh, it's too bad. We'll get her sometime. Um The one of the funniest runestones that have ever been written down basically says something like Ericsson was here. Like it was on a runestone and it basically just said so and so was here. And okay. it, that sort of tells you what what the Vikings sort of found worth it to write down. <laughs> um but so this story is called Thor's wedding. All right, all right. So 
Thor the Thunderer, the Hollowed Hammerer, the God of Thursdays, Oak Trees, and Healing, kept his weapon by his side. This was Mjolnir, the hugest, hardest hammer that ever was. With Mjolnir, Thor could knock down mountains, squash cities, and bash whole armies. He was a god, after all, and gods can do things like that if they want to. <laughs> Giants can too, but generally speaking, gods do things bigger and better. One night, when Thor was snoring, and that was pretty noisy, I can tell you, a giant tiptoed by his bed and stole Mjolnir. In the morning, Thor discovered the lack of his hammer. Oh my, how his tantrum shook the ground and quivered the treetops. The sun ran scared and hid behind the horizon. The clouds blackened, whizzed around the sky, smashed into another, and turned into cold, hard rain. Hard, cold rain. Human <laughs> priests called out, People, hide! The sky is falling down. Oh. <laughs> Thor, when at last he grew wary of rage, vowed to get back his hammer. The task called for brains, which he did not have in quite such quantity as brawn. Now Loki... Nothing. Oh, let me put my arm down. Now Loki, he was a different kind of god. His wits were as quick as a flame. He had as many tricks as a fire has sparks. He came to Thor's aid in a flash. Loki, called Thor, help me find my hammer. This is serious, said Loki. Mjolnir is our main weapon against the giants, which leads me to think that it was most probably a giant who stole it. Maybe me, let me prove my hunch, and then we shall see what we can do. Loki first called on the lovely house of Freya. She of the long golden hair and cloak of feathers. Freya will lend, Freya, will you lend me your cloak? He asked. That I will, she replied. Even if it were made of silver or gold, I would let you have it. For we gods help one another in times of trouble. When Loki had wrapped himself in the wonderful garment, he looked just like a hawk. The feathers whirled as he winged his way across the sky, leaving the land of the gods and reaching the realm of giants. Thirum was the giant's king. Thirum. Thirum was the giant's king. He sat, sat on a hill, making gold chains for his dogs. When Loki sat beside him, Thyram grew, knew him right away. How are the gods? he asked. And what, of, what news of the elves? The gods are doing far from well, said Loki. And the elves, little better. We've lost a hammer. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? That I do, replied Thyram. We've buried the hammer of Thor eight miles under, and shall not return it until Freya is my wife. Loki spread his wings and took off. His feathers whirled. He didn't say anything? Hold on. <laughs> He's just like, bye. <laughs> Thanks for the info. Loki spread his wings and took off. His feathers whirled as he winged his way across the sky, leaving a land of giants and reaching the realm of the gods. Thor was waiting in the courtyard of, of the palace. Loki sat beside, uh, sat, sat beside him. What news of my hammer? Thor inquired. Loki replied, Thyram has buried it eight miles under and will not return it until Freya is his wife. Right then, said Thor, and straight away the two gods made their way to the lovely house of Freya, she of the long golden hair. Freya, take the bridal veil, said Thor. 
Set a pretty cap upon your head. Choose a long dress with flowers and precious gems embroidered into its hem. Let your necklace, the wondrous work of dwarves, shine upon your breast. You must marry the king, Thyrim, before he will return my hammer. He has hidden it eight miles under, and there is no other solution. <laughs> they haven't really even tried another solution. <laughs> All right. So in times of trouble, we gods always help one another. So cheer up. Put on a smile, sweetheart. Today is your wedding day. But Freya did not do as she was told. Yes, I'm so glad. Cheer up. Cheer up. You must have lost your... Lost, you must have lost what's left of your tiny little mind, my big brutish friend. If you think I'm going to wed a giant, then you've got another thing coming. You've lost your hammer. Eight miles under? Well, here's my advice to you. Start digging. She says. She then took off her mighty necklace, the wondrous work of dwarves who live beneath the ground, and lashed the thunder god with it. Something had to be done. <laughs> The far, the far famed gods and goddesses came to a council to decide. There spoke Heimdall, wisest of the gods, the sleepless watcher of the world. He knew the future well, and his advice was always worthy of attention. This is what he said. Thor, take the bridal veil, set a pretty cap upon your head, and choose a long dress with flowers and precious gems embroidered into its hem. Let Freya's necklace, the wondrous work of Dwarves shine upon your breast. Now, come on, Thor, my boy. Why these angry scowls and growls? Cheer up, for today we shall wed Thyrim, the king of giants. <laughs> I shall not be unmanned, thundered Thor. When the far-famed gods and goddesses had finally stopped laughing, Thor stepped forth and declared, Thor, don't you see? The deception will be a fine trick to play on Thyrim, the thief. If you agree to this, then I shall dress up as your bridesmaid and stand by your side on your big day. If you do not agree, then, my friend, the giants will soon be here in Asgard, wielding the mighty hammer against us and smashing down the walls of this very palace. Thor saw that he must go along with the plan, for in times of trouble the gods help one another. He took the bridal veil, got the goddesses set a pretty cap upon his head. Freya chose a long dress for him with flowers and precious gems embroidered into its hem. Then she placed her necklace, the wondrous work of dwarves, around his neck so that it shone upon his breast. Truly, you are the loveliest bride ever, did see, <laughs> swore Loki. He then too dressed as a maid. Together, they left the land of the gods and reached the realm of giants. Thyrim saw the bridal party on, on their way. He called out, Giants, set out the benches and the tables for the feast. I have many, go I have many goats and sheep, a, a multitude of black-eared oxen, chests brimming with jewels, and every possession that a giant could delight in. But one thing I lack, the beautiful Freya for my wife. Now they are bringing her to my bride, to be my bride. Giants rejoice, this shall be our wedding day. So the giants brought giant quantities of drink and food, Thor, alone ate an entire ox, ate salmon, and the dainty little dishes that were set out for the women. He lashed, washed down his food with three barrels of mead. Thyra marveled at such appetite. Whoever saw a bride with such a greedy gobble, a bite so big and a thirst so unquenchable. <laughs> Thick as a flash, quick as a flash, Loki's, Loki the bridesmaid replied, 
So excited was she, waiting for her wedding day to dawn, that she did not eat or drink a whole in eight whole days. Oh, what a sweetheart. Let me give her a kiss. <laughs> Declared Thyram, and he lifted up the bride's veil. Thor glowered like, like a sky was about to break into a storm. Thyram stepped back, startled. What a bride had, had eyes so red, a brow so furled, and lips so drawing, he asked. Quick as a spark, Loki's, Loki the bridesmaid replied. So excited was she, waiting for her wedding day to dawn, that she did not sleep a whole eight nights. Oh, what a sweetheart, declared, declared Thyram. Bring Mjolnir, the hammer of Thor, laid on the bride's lap, so that the high priest may bless our wedding. At last, this was something that made the heart of Thor rejoice. As soon as the priest returned his hammer to his lap, he threw off the bridal veil, the pretty cap, the long flowing dress, and around his head, he wielded the weapon, killing Thyrim and every giant who stood in his way. So ended Thor's wedding day, fortunately before he was actually wed. Another time he married Sif, the goddess of the golden corn, whose long hair Loki once stole as a trick. That is another story for another time. That's another time, dude. That is another time. So this story is one of the oldest stories ever written down by English monks in 900 AD, right? Yeah. Um, there's an image, actually. Let me bring up the image. Ain't nothing like smoking in that morning, man. So here's the image of Thor all dressed up for the wedding. Beard and all. Apparently the giants don't care about... A bride with a beard? Or the- oh yeah, the veil. But he lifted it to look it into his eyes. Yeah. So this- the- the-, the... Mm -hmm. You've done well. Hold on. You've done you know, very well, sir. Accoutrement, a little bit of accoutrement. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look so, how dead sexy one becomes. This, this story sort of captures everything we've talked about, actually, today. All right. And that's why I love that Vaqueen brought it up. Um, this, this story is about how, like, our, our nuances of story are different now. Our um, idea of... There's been a crisis. We must solve it. Let's find a way to solve it. Let's be smart about it. It the story also teaches to let go of your manliness for a second, and we might be able to do things a little bit differently than just violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except he did. He, well, well, he he also did kill all he the did. giants um, after the the plot has <laughs> conceded. So maybe it's more teaching patience than. Or <laughs> Maybe, maybe in the end, he, uh, he, he was, he rejected his femininity. He's like, no, I'm still man. I kill all the giants. Like, you know, there's so many different, mm -hmm. any view with these, these, these loose <laughs> poet, poetry that's old, like it, it can get changed around for the good or the bad. And, uh, I don't know if you guys realize what happened. Um, we're talking about recontextualizing a story. Well, right now in 2023, mm -hmm. two, three, 2023, a kind of interesting day in itself, 
your buddies here at Coffee and Contemplation recontextualize the story with the use of acting and He-Man and uh, 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 reading and cadence. And we, we've created our own today version of the story. And you can too. Because that's you what you're can important. too. That's what's important about you is everybody's got a story to tell. And it might be like a lot of the other stories, which is good because that's how we connect and we find commonality. But there's nuances and stuff that make it just a little bit different, just enough. To be like, hey, this is this is a new time, this is a new place, this is a new person.